You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, as I mentioned, joined by Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus, formerly of the Draft Network. And when you were there, you were working with Locked On as well with Ben Solak, doing draft stuff for years. We're going to dive into some draft content today. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts. Trevor, let's talk Bengals offseason approach. I want to talk about the draft at a high level, but yesterday when we were looking at some different ways the Bengals could go about approaching their offensive line problem, it occurred to me that last year the Bengals had their heart set on Jackson Carmen in the second round. They traded out of the pick that turned into Christian Barmore, which is why I want to start before the draft, because in my opinion, if the Bengals had been a little bit more aggressive perhaps in free agency before the draft, maybe there's an opportunity for them to sit there and pick a Christian Barmore BPA kind of pick where New England trades up and goes and gets him. So if you're Duke Tobin, Trevor, are you thinking I'm drafting an offensive lineman at 31? Or are you thinking maybe I can do enough in free agency right now to get myself into a BPA position picking later in the draft than I'm used to? Well, I think that you know, when you look at full off-season strategies, right? Because I think a lot of people ask, hey, what's the draft strategy? And they ask it around January and February because the season's over. But as you guys are saying, it's more than that. You have to have a full off-season approach. And, you know, free agency coming before the draft allows you to put your team in a really good position to where, yeah, you're probably still going to have needs, if you will, going into draft weekend. But you want to free yourself, especially at the top, especially with your premium pick, whether it's at the back end of the first round or, top 20, top 10, wherever it is, you always want to free yourself to be able to take best player available because you never know what's going to happen on draft weekend, especially day one of the draft. And, you know, with Cincinnati sitting as low as they are in the draft order this year, you you want to have the freedom to, especially for a team that just went through a Super Bowl, right? Maybe they jumped the shark a little bit on their winning window, but they showed that they have the talent to compete at a postseason level. And with a couple of little improvements here, get back to the Super Bowl and hopefully win it, right? And so... When you get to that point, you want to give yourself the freedom to say, man, if there's one or two players that we really like that are really high on our board that are falling a little bit, we get to pick 23, 24, something like that. They have the ability to really go up, spend a little bit of extra draft capital, fill those needs, go get those guys they really covet. And you allow yourself to do that with free agency. And you know what the Bengals? I'm sure you guys have talked about it ad nauseum. I know your fans have probably talked about it plenty. It's all about offensive line, right? I mean, that's what you've got to address. And with the Bengals, I have said before that I feel like they should take the Kansas City Chiefs blueprint of what they did last year and try to implement that with how well they can improve their offensive line. Because Kansas City, now granted, their tackles sucked in the Super Bowl because they were both their backup tackles, right? So, I mean, anytime that's the case, it's never going to end well. But they made a commitment early on in their their offseason to say, we are getting better. And what did they do? They went and spent great capital and free agency on Joe Tooney. They went and they used the first-round pick to go trade for Orlando Brown. They did their due diligence, and they found a really great gem, not only in Creed Humphrey at center, but also Trey Smith later in the draft in the sixth round as well. And boom, they were able to turn around their offensive line so quickly. I don't know if the Bengals can do that to that extent, 
but you want to have those kinds of options and at least that mindset on the table. So when you look at free agency, and I know they got some money to spend, they've got a lot of guys that they want to that they got to resign. I mean, like Uzama's one of them, Jesse Bates is another one, and they have a handful of other players that they'll probably you know fill out the roster with. But I think they're going to have a decent amount of capital left over. And so you look at some of the guys that are the major players in free agency, especially along the interior offensive line, a splash with a guy like Brandon Sheriff, or if you're looking for a center, somebody like Ryan Jensen, right? You look at those guys, and I think that uh, maybe you go get a Cam Robinson if you can get him for cheap, and maybe he's not even playing tackle for you. Maybe you want to kick him in guard, and all of a sudden you have kind of like a higher upside player on the interior. But I think there's a decent amount of options to allow them to make as high of an upgrade as they want along the offensive line, especially when you throw like Teron Armstead and people like that in the mix, right? I mean, like there is the ability to upgrade the offensive line, how, how high or how low they want to, they can get new blood in there and they can either get it for a high price or a low price. And they can kind of go from there, but I think they have to do something right. They've got to make some sort of splash along the offensive line and free agency. Shoot. I've even heard, you know, people talk about Larry Tunsil's on the on the trading block. Maybe the Bengals can flip a first rounder for Larry Tunsil, like the Chiefs did last year with Orlando Brown. I think a lot of these options are there for them to allow them to make somewhat of a splash on their offensive line that then gives them a lot of flexibility to have a really great draft to even slingshot that. Maybe get some extra additions too on draft weekend. Yeah, even if they do make that splash, and it would be fun for us if they did. Uh, part of the Chiefs' model, like you mentioned, they hit on two rookies right. on the offensive line. And that's something, well, the Bengals haven't done in a, a while. So so let's focus on the draft a little bit here. Where is it strongest? Where is it weakest in general position groups wise outside of probably quarterback? Cause the Bengals probably aren't looking at a signal caller. Sure. I would probably say that the strongest areas of this draft probably coming from wide receiver, right? I think we say that every single year and it's just because that's where football is going, right? I mean, we're, we're seeing it in the NFL. These teams are are going so deep with their wide receiver groups. They're putting three, four wide receivers out on the field at any point in time. I think you're seeing that at college as well. And you're seeing that in high school football too, right? I think a lot of high school football teams are lighting up scoreboards, going a lot more spread, getting a lot more speed and wide receiver passing options on the field. And what you get in high school, well, the colleges take the best kind of high school players. And so if the high school brand is changing, the college brand is going to change. And now we're seeing the NFL brand change as well. So I think that wide receiver is strong this year. It's also deep. And I think that you're just going to see that every single year. So this year is no different. There's a lot of really nice wide receivers to get corner. I also think, especially within the top 50, top two rounds of this draft could be really strong. There's a handful of names that you really like edge rusher. I think there's a lot of edge rushers to really like. And I think that Edge rusher is going to dominate the top 50 of the 2022 NFL draft. I think you're going to get a lot of these guys in the first round, beginning of the second round. I think that when day two starts, you're going to start to, again, see a lot of runs on these guys because you can't fit them all in the first round. At least I don't think we're going to get all of them in the first round because that's a lot of guys. But, you know, as people start to release their final big boards and their rankings as we get after the combine here, you're going to see a lot of edge rushers in those top 50s. And so I think that that's a strong group uh, as well. Those are probably the three that stand out to me. I like offensive tackle. I really do. Uh, I guess I would probably throw them there at the end with those three positions because there's three guys that I think could very well go in the top six of this draft. And I think there's a couple of small school players that could be back end of the first round guys. There's a couple of players who are you know a little bit of offensive tackle, interior offensive lineman hybrids that give you that swing tackle or versatile uh, offensive line uh, potential there. So there's, I think, a lot of guys along the offensive line 
that make it a pretty decent class or an alluring class, which is good for the Bengals. But, you know, I think they'll still have to prioritize that in a certain way because only having one pick at the back end of the first round, I'm not sure you're getting a lot of those impact guys just because trench players, whether offensive side of the ball or defensive side of the ball, they don't last very long, right? Football starts up front still. And even with the flash of the passing weapons and and the uh, the coverage guys at corner, we see those guys get picked all the time, but it's always uh, in a priority after the trench players. And so that's probably where I would say, I think my four favorite areas of this draft class are wide receiver, corner, edge rusher, and then probably offensive tackle as well. And it's interesting because to me last year, I thought there was a lot of good depth on the interior of the offensive line in the second and third rounds on day two. I'm not sure that's as much the case this year. And so when you're describing what you think the strengths are, I find it more pressing going back to the offseason strategy for the Bengals to keep their options open and, and keep themselves in a position where they can go BPA. And we'll talk offensive line and we'll talk about, you know, what receiver would be good enough for the Bengals to pull the trigger at 31, if that's even something they're considering. And maybe, maybe it's a corner instead because there, there is a needed corner for this team. And we'll get into some of those position groups coming up next. Another receiver, Jake, speaking my language, uh, football might be over, but basketball full steam ahead in both pro a uh, pro and college. And you need to check out BetOnline.net. They have all the latest odds, totals, player props, and more in one spot. I've used them. You should too. And it's easy. You can sign up with their mobile site. You can get on your PC or your laptop and just go to betonline.net and check out everything they have. And no, it's not just basketball. They have UFC. They have boxing. If baseball ever comes back, guess what? They're going to have that as well. It's a one-stop shop for all of your betting needs. So don't delay. Get on. Get to betonline.net right now. Sign up for free and make sure you check out everything they have to offer for you. So betonline.net, don't delay, betonline.net, where the game starts. All right, guys, let's go to some of the position groups now. We, we've got the high-level view of the draft. we got this idea that we talk about, I feel like every year, go into the draft as open as you can, fill as many needs in free agency as you can. And again, I think that, as you mentioned, Trevor, there are a lot of guys available on the offensive line in free agency that the Bengals could go out and get to fill those needs. As you said, have to take care of some of their own guys, but I'm sure they can figure it out if they need to. You talked about corner and wide receiver in the top 50. I kind of tongue in cheek was saying, you know, is there a guy that the Bengals would draft at 31 at wide receiver? Because the, the reason I say this is I was going through a PFF. I think it was PFF mock draft simulator and Chris Olave was there at 31. And I'm like, huh? Is that is that makes you think about it, doesn't it? It makes it, you think about it. it. It really does. And James and I have joked about, you know, what what do we have to do to get Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow on the same team together? So I don't think that we necessarily need to do a deep dive on first round receivers. We'll, we'll maybe come back and talk about some of the day two, day three guys because there's probably a need there for some depth in Cincinnati. But corner, edge rusher. Offensive line at 31 are really interesting to me. And you mentioned that you like the cornerback class in the top 50. Who is the guy around 31 that, that you feel the most bullish on maybe compared to others? And I, I want to also get your opinion on the other Washington corner, Kyler wow. Gordon, who yes. I noticed was very high in Daniel Jeremiah's big board he released on Monday. Yeah, Gordon's really good, man. And I think that he's going to 
get a lot more love after combine week, man. I, I, I think that, that his tape shows that even in some limited snaps, man, he's got the goods. I mean, he's got what you want from a tool's perspective. He just needs a little bit more experience. I know Trent McDuffie's getting a lot of the hype, but you know, Kyler Gordon's another one who, uh, I think initially there's a lot of people who talked about like, oh yeah, we can get Kyle. I like Kyler Gordon is like a like a third round option when you're doing these these mock draft simulators. And uh, I'm telling you, after this week, damn good chance that you're not going to have that opportunity to get him. Maybe even after day one. So yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that you definitely need to keep your eye on when it comes to Indianapolis. He's a player who I think is going to be big time on the rise. I love Trent McDuffie as well, but I don't think that Trent McDuffie is going to be making it towards the back end of the first round. I just think that he's too good. One guy that I would definitely make note of if I was a Bengals fan is Kyrie Elam, the cornerback out of Florida, because right now I think that he is a fringe first round second round kind of a player he's long uh he's got he's got both arm length and just height overall he's really nice in press coverage has that mentality to be able to play man coverage he's smart there's a lot of reps where you watch him he's just so comfortable he's so smooth whether it's getting into a bump and run off the snap or you know hanging with guys down the sideline whatever it is you love his physicality. I love his instincts with the ball as well. He played Jamison Williams pretty well when Alabama faced, faced off against Florida. We know how good Jamison Williams is uh, now as a guy who's probably going to go in the top 20 of the NFL draft. The issue with Kyer Elam is he's a little bit too physical, especially when the ball's coming his way. He's getting a little bit too grabby. You got to kind of get that out of him. He can't be having as many penalties as he had when he was at Florida, but that's totally correctable. The thing that might not be correctable is the long speed. And there's, it's not glaring. When I watch his tape, it's not like I think that Kyrie Elam is slow, but there are a couple of reps where I watch the wide receiver, maybe get a clean release off the snap. You know, maybe Kyrie's not getting his hands on them on purpose. And he gets a little bit too, he gets even with Kyrie Elam a little bit too quickly. And then he gets a little bit further. He starts gaining separation up down the sideline. And so, you know, unless he can be super physical, sometimes I go, hmm, is he really not as fast as this other guy? But then there are other times where I don't question that at all. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he runs because if Kyrie Elam can run something that's sub four, five, if you will, I think that he's got a really good chance to be a lock for the first round, even if it's going to be a late kind of a first round. And I think that if he runs a really great time, he becomes an immediate option potentially for the Cincinnati Bengals. Another guy that I think could be an option for them at corner that late in the draft, Roger McCreary, really great tape, really great coverage grade. I think he was the second high. He had the second highest coverage grade in the SEC per PFF last season. The issue with him and why he might fall after having a really great year is the arm length. He's only got about 29 and a half inch arms, as we found out at the Senior Bowl, and that is just not going to hit many thresholds. And if the Bengals are going to be a team where they like their corners to be a little bit more long arm, a little bit taller, have a little bit more of a wingspan when going up in press coverage, they're not going to have McCreary on the board. But if they're not as much of a stickler for an arm length threshold, this guy's got really good tape. And I think he's going to perform well in Indianapolis as well. So those are two guys that I think that Bengals fans should have their eye on back into the first round at cornerback that could pay really big dividends if they end up getting them there. And there's a chance they do because this cornerback class is so good. You got Derek Singley, you got Trent McDuffie, you got Ahmad Garner, you got Andrew Booth, right? You've got all of these guys that could potentially go in front of them. There's not enough teams that might have corner needs. And a lot of these more talented guys might still get pushed down into the back end of the first round. And so those are two guys that I would say um, Bengals fans should keep their eye on when it comes to pick number 31.
Real quick, James, I just want to jump in with an arm length threshold that we've been tracking uh, as part of what I've done over the past few years with Joe Goodberry. The Bengals arm length threshold is around 31 inches for corners. And that's pretty solid throughout their history. The average corner they draft is 31.3 inch arms, and they're all over 30.75 inch arms, uh, at least through what we've tracked. So just throwing out that threshold. And James, uh, I know you had a, a follow up there. Sure. Yeah. And let's stick with the secondary because, you know, Trevor, you mentioned Jesse Bates and I, I think he's going to be a Bengal in 2022, whether it's on the tag or right. whether they sign him to an extension, but it's not just him. Von Bell is in a contract year now and, you know, maybe they sign him to an extension or plan on doing so, but is safety a sneaky, uh, not necessarily need at the moment, but a, a sneaky dark horse for the 31st pick. Are there any safeties that you like that could be uh a contender for that pick? Well, if they like a safety, then there's going to be guys to choose from. And especially when you look at the safeties that might be available at the back end of the first round that would complement what Jesse Bates does really well, because Jesse Bates, he gives you that single high deep coverage ability, right? He's got that range in coverage. And so there's a lot more safeties out there that are more downhill safeties, if you will, strong safety types where they're doing a lot of their best work, keeping their eyes forward, not having to track, not having to defend super deep, but instead be a rat hole defender, maybe right over the middle where the tight ends are kind of crossing or where guys are hitting in-breaking routes in the intermediate portion of the field, or maybe it's coming up, helping the linebackers and run support, things like that. You allow your safeties to have a lot of flexibility when you have a pure coverage guy like Jesse Bates, who we've seen has been absolutely fantastic, had a fantastic postseason run there, showing what he can do in coverage. So bringing back Jesse Bates, which I agree, I don't think Jesse Bates is going anywhere. He certainly shouldn't go anywhere. When you have that type of coverage safety, it allows you to be able to pick couple of the guys that I really actually like as these strong safety types that might be available at the back end of the first round. Jaquan Brisker is one of them from Penn State. I think he's got good athleticism. I think he's got good ball skills. I think he's more of a physical type than he is a coverage type, but he still is somebody that I think could give you that too high ability, the ability to play Jesse Bates and Brisker, both back deep in coverage. He can come over the middle and he can lay a hard hit. He can come help the linebackers and run support. He's got that physicality. Another guy who I like as a strong safety, a little bit different of a mold, Jalen Petrie from Baylor had a fantastic senior bowl, man. He was, he was awesome at the senior bowl. And something that I, that I always know with senior bowl players is if you can stand out, especially at a, at a position like secondary, which requires so much chemistry, within just three days of practice, right? And they're plopping you on a field with players you've never played with before, with coaches that have never coached you before. If you can still stand out with confidence, that means a lot to me. And that's exactly what Jalen Petrie did. First day, he stood out just with his athleticism and his physicality, his ability to play man-on-man coverage in a lot of the one-on-one drills. And then as the, the week went on, second day, third day, he started playing really well with his chemistry with his other guys, understanding where he needed to be with zone coverage, taking to coaching really well. He is more of a strong safety type that I would tell you if you want your safeties to play a little bit more man coverage, maybe match up against big slot guys like tight ends or things like that. That's where Jalen Petrie can have that a little bit more coverage value than say Jaquan Brisker, who I don't think Jaquan Brisker can't play in man coverage, but he's more of that kind of downhill run support physical presence where Jalen Petrie is a little bit more of a potential, just like man on man coverage guy. Um, Daxon Hill is another one from Michigan. 
I think that Daxon Hill is definitely working his way into the top 50, maybe even the first round. He's another versatile guy who can play on the back end. He can play some deep coverage for you. He'll play in those two high safety roles, but he can also be versatile enough to play in main coverage, kind of like Jalen Petrie was too. So if the Bengals have their eye on a safety, the back end of the first round, it really could be a sweet spot for him. And Petrie in particular is really interesting to me with the way that Lou Anarumos like to run three safeties out there is not afraid to go dime or dollar or quarter personnel or whatever you want to call it, where he's putting an extra, extra defensive back on the field and Petrie's versatility and ability to, to do a few things that he showed at the senior bowl make him pretty intriguing to me, but we haven't talked offensive line. What are we doing? This is a Bengals podcast. We'll go offensive line coming up next. But first, a word from Rock Auto. Look, there's nothing worse than having unreliable transportation outside of maybe having an unreliable offensive line. But that's why you got to get to Rock Auto so you at least get the transportation part down because you're going to get the same parts that you need. And instead of going to the big box store and asking Lou uh, what parts you need and having him direct you, you can do all of it from the comfort of your own home at rockauto.com. Why pay 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts that you can get simply by going to rockauto.com. You're going to save money. They've, they're a family-owned company. They've been in business for more than two decades. <clears throat> so you need to check them out right now. I've used them for something as simple as air filters. So whether you're doing something really serious with your car or something like changing your oil or swapping out your cabin air filter, rockauto.com is the place to do it. Go there right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We haven't talked about the offensive line in a draft Bengals-related podcast. What are we doing? They should fire us from our jobs. Well, well, don't do that. I mean, the reason you listen to the Locked On Bengals podcast is because we know the Bengals might not draft an offensive lineman at 31. But if they do, Trevor, it seems like the names to hope for are Tyler Linderbaum, and that one may be more hopeful than the rest, Bernard Raymond, Kenyon Green, Trevor Penning, Zion Johnson. If you're hoping that the Bengals can make the biggest impact at the offensive line at pick 31, is it one of those guys? Or is it somebody that I haven't mentioned that's a dark horse? I mean, certainly you throwing Tyler Linderbaum's name in there. They they would love to get themselves some Tyler Linderbaum. Okay, so Ty- maybe maybe if, not him. If Tyler Linderbaum lasts until 31, just throw the draft away. Just, just, just start over. Just get the time stone from Dr. Strange. Turn back time. We messed up. We got to do this <laughs> over again, right? So, I mean, if it, Linderbaum would be an absolute dream. He's one of the best players in this whole draft, not just along the offensive line. But you mentioned some other good ones, right? And, you know, some players that you mentioned there are offensive tackles that I actually think probably have a little bit more swing versatility to them you know when you look at Bernard Raymond uh, who I really like from Central Michigan I was really high on him going into the senior bowl Trevor Penning was the same way Max Mitchell from Louisiana is another guy who I, I liked as a small school player and all three of them really struggled at tackle to protect the outside shoulder and that's kind of what you would expect from guys who were playing at lower level competition uh Penning was at Northern Iowa Raymond was at uh, Central Michigan, and like I said, Max Mitchell was at Louisiana. And so those are, this is not the best competition in the world, not like they're, they're going up against nobodies, but when they went to the Senior Bowl and when they had to go up against Boye Mafe and Jermaine Johnson and guys like that, all of a sudden they're getting worked around the outside shoulder, and they're getting worked by speed 
that they have not often seen. And so I like a lot of the game and the athleticism and the upside those three bring to the table. But I also feel like they could be decent guards, right? I mean, like you look at a lot of them and Trevor Penning, especially, man, this play, this dude plays like a mean cuss. He's finishing guys all over the place, throwing dudes out of bounds, burying guys in the ground when he's able to get his hands on them. That's some guard mentality to me. Now, if he could play, if he could play offensive tackle, sure, leave him at tackle. But if he struggles with speed, if he continues to struggle with speed uh, in the early parts of his NFL career, you know you probably got a damn good tackle and then an upside athletic uh interior offensive lineman if that happens to be the case with him so those three guys that i would definitely keep an eye on i'm not sure where darian Kennard from kentucky is going to go because some people think he's an offensive tackle but he looks like he's built like a guard i think he can play tackle but again like if he's available at 31 he's another dream prospect for the cincinnati bengals because if you eventually have a tackle need or maybe if you immediately have a tackle need i feel like he could fill that role or if your offensive line really needs interior more than that you're allowed to kick him inside and i think he could have some success there too so i think that he's a guy that you definitely got to keep your eye on when it comes to the pure interior players you know Kenyon green gets bit from texas a&m he gets billed as this offensive tackle offensive guard kind of a hybrid i did not like his tape at tackle but to be fair, a lot of his tackle tape was Texas A&M kind of like throwing him to the fire, either on short notice or sometimes even mid-game to go play offensive tackle. And I think he's just got more experience. He's just more comfortable right now playing in more close quarters, if you will, when he gets to play interior offensive line. So I like him more as an interior offensive lineman, especially, well, I guess really any scheme. I was going to say, especially for a gap scheme that you've got him as a puller, if you're using counters a lot, things like that. But shoot, you know, zone blocking schemes as well. I think he can get on the hoof really well because of how well he can move there. Zion Johnson's another good target. I think that that was a good shout out there by you. And then if we're not talking about 31, talking about a little bit further in the draft, two guys that I like that I think Bengals fans should keep an eye on. Dylan Parham who was a former tight end at Memphis, ended up committing to Memphis as a tight end, played I think his first year, maybe his first and second year total at tight end, and then they threw some extra weight on him, told him he was going to play offensive line, and he's been playing center for the last two years, and man, he looked good during parts of the senior bowl. He looked really in control. I think that he's got great flexibility with his hips. He can really sink down and get his butt down. He's got a lot of weight in the lower half, so he can anchor against those power rushers. I think he was able to mirror guys really well. So he's a guy that I like. And then Luke Fordner from Kentucky is another player that I'm very intrigued with. He's got a knack to his game. There's some things he needs to get cleaned up because there are some times where I'll watch him just straight get his hands in the right position and lock a dude up. You watch him versus Jordan Davis, that Georgia game, and you'll come away from that game going, look, he didn't play a perfect game, but this foreigner dude can actually play. And then there are some other reps where he just like gets absolutely whooped for I don't think any reason. So you clean up some of the maybe the discipline, maybe it's the hand placement, the strike timing, all of that with Luke Fortner. And you might have a dude who plays with a lot of nasty and a lot of strength with him as a center. So those are two interior offensive line, also center versatile guys that I think could be targets for him later if you're talking not at the back end of the first round. Trevor, let's stick with the mid rounds. And Jake mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Uh, Wide receiver, probably a sneaky need for the Bengals. They have the big three. And then outside of that, who and they all stayed extremely healthy this year, they don't really have anyone. And I, I could certainly see them looking for a speedy special teamer threat that could also help on offense. Who stands out at the wide receiver position in maybe end of round three, round four, round five, in the rounds three to five range? Yeah, I mean, it kind of... 
Depends what kind of player they're going for, right? Like you talk about a speed and a mid-round guy. My first thought is Calvin Austin, the third wide receiver uh, from from Memphis. I mean, this dude's going to run in the four threes, maybe even the four twos. He's got a former track background. I was able to sit down with him during the season and get to interview him a little bit more. He's awesome, man. He's a motivated dude. Um, he's played with a lot of really good players at Memphis uh, that have kind of come through over the last couple of years there. And so he knows what it's like. A lot of those guys have gone on to be pros. You know, he's played with Antonio Gibson. He's played with um, with uh, Kenneth Gainwell. You know, like uh, there's just there's so many players that I think that he has been able to watch turn into NFL guys. That he's got um, a clear mind for what it takes to be a pro, and he's got the clear athleticism for it too. So he's got he's a guy that you should definitely look out for. Another guy, I'll give a shout out to a Shrine Bowl guy, Kyle Phillips, the slot receiver from UCLA. He was the biggest winner, plain and simple. Any position, either team, either roster, he was the best player out in Vegas for the Shrine Bowl. Um, I thought he almost got called up to the Senior Bowl a little bit after, but kind of the weeks were a little bit different this year. The Shrine Bowl was bleeding into the Senior Bowl, but uh, he's definitely got, I think, Senior Bowl capability to him. Uh, I would have loved to see him there against those corners as well because he was absolutely cooking everybody with the short area quickness. Uh, I think that that was fantastic. I mean, like, if you go a little bit earlier, I don't know where Sky Moore from Michigan is going to get drafted, but – He's another speedy kind of guy who you might be able to get back into the second round. That might be an option for the Bengals if they want to go that early on a potential speed type. But those are a handful. Those are three guys right there that when you mention speed, and there's some other guys obviously that are speed specialists as well. But those are the guys that I think really if you're targeting anywhere from rounds two to four, you might have your eyes on those guys to be real contributors to go along with those, like you said, the big three in Cincinnati. The last position I want to hit here real quick is, is tight end where Trey McBride has been from what I've seen, the consensus number one tight end until today, Greg Dolchich, if I'm saying his name right, was, yes. was the only tight end in Jeremiah's Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 is, is this just a, a class where, you know, we talked to Mike about tight end last week and he said, not a lot of athleticism. And, and what the Bengals are probably looking for at the tight end position is athletic upside. Is, is, are there any guys like that in this draft? Is that, you know, what Dolchich might bring or is, yeah, is that not so much the mold? No, I mean, I, I think these guys are fine. I, I just certainly like there's nobody of a Kyle Pitts kind of a mold. Or I, right. I won't even say that because I, I hate even saying that. There's nobody even of a... OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, right? You remember that tight end class with those those three yeah. athletes that went in the first round? There's nobody even of that caliber, but I think these guys are fine. Like, I think the Trey, Trey, uh, Trey McBride gives you that kind of like Jonu Smith mold. What happened with Jonu Smith, man? He ended up being an all-around tight end for multiple years, got better every single year, played in a great tight end-friendly system with Arthur Smith, and now, boom, he's one of the highest-paid tight ends in the NFL, right? And he's got a lot of value for what he's doing. You can be able to put him on the field at any point in time. That's what Trey McBride brings you. I think the same with Jeremy Ruckert, man, from Ohio State. If Jeremy Ruckert declared last year, I feel like he would have been a very solid day two pick. And I feel like everybody just kind of forgot about him this year. They were like, oh, okay, he's returning for another year. I don't have to care about him for a little bit. And then we didn't care about him too much. And now I think that people are really forgetting about who, how good Jeremy Ruckert can be as a blocker and a receiver. You know, Dolchich, I think, brings you higher athletic upside but he doesn't bring you the blocking profile that McBride or or um, or Ruckert or guys like that bring. And so, like, if you want just a pure kind of like slot, big slot receiver tight end, then yeah, maybe you're taking a, a flyer on Dolchich. But if not, 
I'm still going to have Trey McBride. Unless Trey McBride really disappoints me in the athletic scores that are coming up here this week in Indianapolis at the Combine, I'm still going to have Trey McBride, number one. He just has so many things for you. He's already very comfortable with being the focal point of a passing attack. I mean, there was one game for Colorado State this past year where Colorado State had 110 passing yards, which I understand is not a lot. But Trey McBride had 109 of those yards. He literally had all <laughs> but one of the passing yards for Colorado State that game. So they fed him early and often, and he was their entire offense. So he understands that identity as well. I mean, he had the top performing plays at the Senior Bowl for a tight end. So I think that, you know, with Jeremiah and some other people who might like a little bit more higher ceiling athletic guys, they're fishing for exactly that, that high ceiling. But man, in this tight end class, Give me Trey McBride. Give me Jeremy Rucker. And uh, I don't think that's going to change after the combine. Make sure you follow Trevor on Twitter at Tampa Bay. Trey, do you have another uh, question, Jake? Or are we, we good? Because I was going to have Trevor plug everything here. Yeah, I, I definitely would like that to happen. But maybe Trevor, while you plug whatever it is that you've got coming up in the immediate future, uh, give us one guy that you're watching at the combine that you don't think anybody else is watching as closely. Oh, wow. One guy that I don't think anybody's watching as closely. Uh, who's a super sleeper that I like? So we can watch him just as closely. That's what Jake's doing. I mean, <laughs> I think my answer might be Tyler Algier. Now that I think about it, I, I mean, like, I've got Algier as like RB3 or 4, man. I think this guy's really good. And I'm really interested to see how he does in some of his agility drills, like the 20, like the short shuttle, the three cone, because I think he's really going to impress by the bench press. I think he's really going to impress in the 40 yard dash. And he's got long speed to him. I think he's a bigger back. Who's going to bring those profiles. That's what his tape says. But if you could give me even just a little bit, a little bit more faith in those agility drills, man, in a running back class that I think is wide open, Tyler Algier is somebody that I am totally looking forward to seeing how he performs. So I guess I, I just off the top of my head, that's somebody that uh, maybe other people aren't necessarily watching that I'm definitely going to have my eyes on. Him. Sorry and to put you on you the spot, man. No, 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 no. It's okay. That was, I actually, I love getting asked these questions because I know so many names of these players and I get into a routine of kind of like bringing them up at different points in time when I get asked different questions. And so that's a new one though. That one put me on the spot and that made me think, okay, who am I really looking forward to watching that other people are watching? So that was good. That was good practice for me as well. And then what do you have this week? I know you're going to be at the combine. So what are you guys going to have at PFF? I'm sure plenty of great stuff. Man, wall-to-wall coverage, man. Whether it's whether it's covering all the best quotes at the podiums, GMs, head coaches, these players. Uh, you know, we've got a, an evening show every single day where me, Mike Renner, Austin Gale will be on the desk recapping things. Live show, I believe that's going to be around 5, 5.30 Eastern that you guys can catch recapping a lot of the action and the quotes, again, that happens at the podium. The events are, the, the athletic events are at night this week. So I'm looking forward to that little switch up, seeing how things are going there. But just... All sorts of coverage. Follow me on Twitter, I guess, at Tampa Bay Trey. Follow PFF as well. And then the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. Myself and Connor Rogers will both be there covering as much as we possibly can. We're, we'll be doing uh, combine superlatives to talk about guys who we think is going to are going to perform well. And then we'll be able to recap all that stuff. So a uh, lot of things coming. A lot of things coming. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. Awesome stuff. And I always enjoy your content. So, you know, I'll be reading it. And if you're watching or listening to the Lockdown Bengals podcast and you can't get enough draft content, well, there's another name for your reading list. If he wasn't already there, Trevor, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate the insight. Appreciate the time. 
And that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.